actually my, one of my prayers for these guys and for everyone is that through all of this, that we would seek Christ, that we would seek that baby in a manger. And we look back, um, I was asking the teens this morning, I was asking them about their favorite, uh, favorite Christmas characters in the, in the Bible story. I felt like I had to give like 10 qualifications. In the Bible story that is dealing with Christmas, that is not Jesus. Because obviously the first answer is always going to be Jesus. And Jesus ought to be our favorite character when it comes to the Christmas story. But uh, one of the things I've been doing uh, in my personal study is I've been see- studying to uh, understand a little bit more about the wise men and to, to read through and to, to do a little bit more of study personally there. And I was really, I was really challenged uh, recently uh, when I was going through Matthew chapter 2, talking about uh, where it talks about the, the only really incident of the wise men being talked about. And uh, as I started thinking about it and looking at it, it really was a battle. It's a battle of kings. That is, that is taking place in this, in this passage. You see, there's, there's a number of kings who are there. There's the, king who, uh, the kings who followed. We know about the wise men, where it talks about that in Matthew chapter 2, that they, they had left, they had followed the star, and that they were going to, to Jerusalem, and they found their way to Jerusalem. And we, we hear about them, and there are a number of things we could talk about with the wise men. Was there only three? Was there two? Were there many more? We know, we know there was more than one, because it's plural. We don't know how many exactly. We sometimes think three because of the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And there's all those dynamics of how many, where did they come from, where exactly, what were they, what does the Magi mean, does it really mean that they were kings, all those different, different concepts will pop into our head and we'll talk about. But one of the things that we notice about them is they are, they are individuals who followed after this divine star that had been placed in the sky by God, and they were reading the signs and understanding the scriptures, and they followed after, they followed after the star heading toward Jerusalem. When they get to Jerusalem, they meet another king that's introduced into the story. His name is King Herod. And King Herod is brought into the picture, and it's, it's very interesting when you start reading about Herod. It talks about that Herod was a king, uh, and when he heard these things in verse 3, it says that he was troubled. And all of Jerusalem was with him. Uh, with him. They didn't know this, this caravan comes in, he's wondering what is happening. And if you remember the story, once he, he learns, he tells his, his wise, wise men, he says, hey, where's this king going to be born? This king that these wise men from the east are looking for, where's he going to be born? What's going to happen? So they look through the scriptures and they see, okay, it's Bethlehem. That's where it's going to be. And so, so Herod inquires of these wise men from the east. And he says, okay, how long ago did you see the star? And we find out it's about two years ago. Later on in the chapter, it talks about that. And uh, the, the, king, the king Herod uh, begins to set this plan in order. He tells the wise men, he says, hey, I want you to, I want you to go and I want you to find this baby. And when you find this king, when you find this individual, come back and let me know. Now, the wise men, they weren't, they weren't wise. So it didn't seem like he was anything. In fact, we know that later on, it's only through a divine interaction of a dream that God tells the wise men, don't go back to Herod. And we know later on in the passage that, that he tells Joseph that uh, down in verse number 13, he says, Herod's going to seek to destroy this child in verse 13. So Herod did not have good intentions. In fact, he was a rebellious. He, he rebelled against the plan that God had established. The wise men, this king Herod, now he's rebelling. And sometimes when we think about the Christmas story and all the different characters that are involved and everything that's happening, we sometimes lose fact that there's another king present in this account. It's the king who left heaven. The king who came to earth. Now, we, we sort of dismiss it at times because it's, it's a baby. It's a, maybe by this time a two or three-year-old, a toddler. And who in, our, who in our right minds, any of us here, 
are going to naturally find a two or three-year-old who can barely walk consistently, and are we going to bow a knee to them? Are we going to humble ourselves before that, before that individual? So it's, it's very easy for us during the Christmas season to, to quickly gloss over the importance of this baby who's in the manger. That he is an individual who has come, who has left his throne on high, and took a manger to be his bed. That begins to grow up and doesn't grow up in luxury, doesn't grow up with all the splendors of this world, but he grows up in a, in a modest home, in a carpenter's home where he's learning a trade, where he's learning to work. And he becomes this individual who grows and continues through life. And Luke chapter 2, verse 52 says that he continued to grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. This baby did not continue to stay a baby. This baby grew up. And as he grew up and lived this perfect and wonderful and holy life, he eventually becomes the Savior for us. That Christ who dies on the cross for our sins. See, often people look and say, well, that just sort of puts a damper on the Christmas story. It doesn't make me feel happy. But when you begin to understand the beauty of what Jesus Christ did, it brings joy. It brings splendid happiness. To know that this baby didn't just come to earth to give us a cute little story in a holiday season where we could get together and bake cookies and spend time drinking hot chocolate and spend time with family. He came to earth with a significant purpose in mind. He came here to, to be put to death one day, to allow himself to be sacrificed for us. He who was without sin became sin for us. Why? Because we needed that. The Bible teaches that each and every one of us here is a sinner. And because of our sin, we are destined for an eternity away from God in a place called hell. And God understood that we in and of ourselves, though we could be good, we could be nice, we can try to be gracious during the, the Christmas season, we cannot do enough to earn heaven, to merit it. We will fall short every time. And so God in his wisdom sends this son, his son, this baby, Jesus Christ, to earth to become the sacrifice for us. And the Bible teaches that if we are willing to understand that we are a sinner and we believe that this, this child grew up to be a man who died on the cross and took our place, who became our sacrifice, and we put our faith and our trust in him as the only way to heaven, and we make that choice to, to follow him, the Bible says that we can have what is called eternal life. That we, can be known, that we can know for certain that we will spend eternity in heaven with Jesus, with God for all of eternity. Not to have to wonder about our destiny of what happens afterwards. We can know. That brings joy. That brings excitement and happiness. If, if you are one of those individuals who are here tonight and you know for certain you're on your way to heaven, is there not joy? Is there not excitement no matter what the trials we face, no matter what the difficulties may be to know that one day we will see our Savior face to face? That is, that is excitement. That is happiness. But as I was thinking about this story and about the kings and the kings in their throne, I have to wonder, when we talk about kings and we talk about the throne, kings are often fighting for the throne, for that place of power. 
They want, they want to be seated on the throne. Herod was, was nervous about this new king. He wanted him put to death because he wanted to keep his throne. But I have to ask, what about you and your throne? You see, each of us has a throne of our heart. The throne of our heart is occupied by only one, by only one item or one person. And I have to wonder sometimes, are, are we like many of us, where we sit upon our own throne? Our life is all about us. Our life is about what we can have out of, out of life and what we get. And even when it comes to going to heaven and salvation, we hear about what Jesus Christ did, but we don't want to accept that. We want to do it our way. We want to try and be good enough. We want to try and be that righteous individual who can, who can give money and be kind and be gracious. And we sit upon the throne saying, no, I'm not going to make room for the king who left heaven to come to earth. What has to happen is we need to get off the throne. We need to get off the throne and make room for Jesus Christ. It's a battle of kings. Who's the king of your life? Is that king Jesus Christ? For some of you, you may say, no, I've never asked Jesus Christ to be my king, to be my savior, to be the one who forgives my sins. I would encourage you, if you've never done that, I pray that tonight would be that night. You may have questions about how do I get saved? How do I make Jesus Christ my savior? I would encourage you afterwards when we have our fellowship time, come and seek me out or seek out one of the other staff or maybe somebody who invited you and ask them about how you can make Jesus Christ the savior of your life. For some of you, you're here tonight. Jesus was king at one time and you push him off because you've got your own ways. You've got your own things that you want to be on the throne. What's, what's taking the place of Jesus? We come to Christmas time and we get all excited. But have we taken time to put Jesus on the throne and reflect upon him? It's a story of kings. And you know, when we submit, when we bow ourselves, when we humble ourselves to the king, the king who came and left the glories of heaven. There is great joy and warmth and excitement to follow after that king. Is Jesus Christ your king? The teens are going to come now. They're going to start getting in in place to sing a song that talks about the Christmas story and singing again the Christmas story. If you have not made Jesus Christ the king of your life, The Christmas story is just a Christmas story. But I trust that as you hear the words to this, that maybe the joy, the excitement of who Jesus Christ is, that what he has done will bring joy to your heart and to your lives. So it's going to take a while to get them all up here. We're just going to have to wait and hold, and I'm not going to keep going on. But we're we're going to sing this song, and hopefully it's a blessing, a blessing to your heart.